the Ten Commandments, and we come this morning to number four. So Exodus chapter 20, and I'll begin reading in verse 8, and then we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew after that. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is God's word to you. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And throughout this series, we're pairing each commandment with another passage in Scripture. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse 28, and then I'm going to read through verse 14 of chapter 12. Words that we've already heard, some of them. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Let's pray. Father, help us now as we come to these words. We come trusting that they are words of life. They are words of peace. Uh, They are words of renewal and restoration. Words that are powerful enough to heal. And so would you help us come to these words with humility, trusting that what you say is wise and good, 
that what you say leads us to healing, to restoration, to redemption. We pray for the, for the power, the active work of your Spirit as we consider these words this morning. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stop. That's what the word Sabbath means. To cease, to desist, to stop what you're doing. It's always striking to me that God chose ten words, ten commandments to express the core of His will for us. The heart of what He wants for how we live. And then what he chooses to go in those ten words. And I think we would expect God to tell us to stop doing all sorts of bad things. We expect that when we come to the Ten Commandments. But in the Fourth Commandment, God tells us to stop doing something good. You see, work in Scripture is highly Highly valued. Even before sin enters the frame, God gives humanity a garden and He says, tend it, keep it, work. Work is a part of the dignity of what it means to be human, to be made in the image of God. But, in the fourth commandment, God pulls out the calendar And he says, here, 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 and here. In these days, stop it. Stop doing that good, dignified activity. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it it a little odd that God is so concerned with our weekly schedules? That God's commandment? goes to that level of specificity in our lives, how we structure our week. Isn't that interesting? And it's not just a concern here in the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath is a major topic throughout the whole Bible. Later in the book of Exodus, in chapter 31, God says, above all else, above everything that I've told you, Moses, for the people of God, above what I've said about murder, what I've said about sexuality, what I've said about idolatry. Above all of that, keep my Sabbath. And as we've read in the book of Matthew, it was a subject that was of great concern for Jesus as well. So what do we do with this odd commandment? What do we do with the Sabbath? Well, this morning I want to ask a couple of questions. What and why? The Sabbath, what is it, and why is it? So first of all, what is it? Sabbath is choreography. It is a rhythm. It is our movement through time structured by the rhythmic pattern of six, then one, then six, then one, then six, then one. And this rhythm is embedded in creation. This rhythm also came before sin entered the frame. 
It is embedded in how God made the world so that we were made to move this way. Where one day in seven is held as unique, as special. That's what it means for it to be kept holy. It's set apart as unique, as special, devoted to rest. Devoted to stopping our daily endeavors. And this is not just for the individual. Did you notice how far this command extends? Even the animals join the dance. So in the ideal, Sabbath means all of creation moving to the beat of six at work, one at rest. Six at work, one at rest. Now, the Bible knows that we don't live in an ideal world. And so God acknowledges and he allows for exceptions. He acknowledges and allows that that certain situations uh, with necessities for life allow for work on the Sabbath day. Or there are certain needs, particularly the needs of the poor, that can be met on the Sabbath day. But still, the weight of the Bible expects us to live by this pattern. Six at work. One at rest. Now, this raises all sorts of questions, right? As, as someone said, I, I read this week, the fourth commandment is the most debated and least observed of all the Ten Commandments. And, and some of you will know that debates in, in the Jewish community, in the Christian community, these debates have stretched back thousands of years. What do you mean by work? What exactly is the work that we're not supposed to do? Where exactly do we place this one day? When do the exceptions apply? Well, let's let Jesus enter the debate. In Matthew 12, as well as other numerous places in the Gospels, the Sabbath police pull Jesus over to the side of the road, and they say, whoa, 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 wait a second. You're not not doing this right. Your, Your steps aren't as precise as they should be. You're you're off the beat of Sabbath, Jesus. And it's very important, I think, that in each of these situations, whenever Jesus deals with the debates about the Sabbath, he doesn't dismiss dismiss the Sabbath. He doesn't say, I'm here, you no longer have to worry about that. That no longer concerns you. No, Jesus always reclaims the Sabbath. He always reclaims its meaning and its purpose. He he recaptures the Sabbath. And in every instance, he recaptures the Sabbath as a gift, not a burden. He says this commandment is an expression of the mercy of God, of the goodness of God. But you have taken it and you've turned it into something else. By getting lost in the precision of obedience, you have lost the intended joy of this day. You've taken what was intended to be life-giving play and turned it into a life-stealing performance. And Jesus can say these things. 
he can reclaim and recapture the Sabbath. Because like David and the priest in the Old Testament, Jesus has a very unique position. Jesus bears a very unique authority. He stands over the gift as the gift giver. He has authority over the Sabbath because he is God in the flesh, the one who has given the Sabbath. And what this means is that there is a much more important question. All of those debated questions throughout history about this commandment, there is a much more important question, and it is, can you receive the gift? Can you receive the gift? Barbara Brown Taylor says, the gift of the Sabbath is a gift that we are so reluctant to receive that it had to be commanded. The problem with these religious leaders, these Sabbath police, is that they had taken the Sabbath and turned it into achievement rather than reception. So can you receive this gift that God is giving to you? We struggle to receive the gift. We have a hard time with that. Not because Sabbath is hard to do, but because Sabbath is hard to hear. We struggle to receive the gift because of what it says about us. Notice in Matthew, as all these debates are swirling around Jesus, there are people who receive the benefit of Sabbath. And who are those that receive the benefit of Sabbath in these passages? the weary, it's the hungry, it's the disfigured, it's people who are in need, it is the weak, it is those who cannot achieve their own wholeness, and so they find themselves in the posture of reliance and reception. You see, Sabbath doesn't denigrate work. It just clarifies your job description. Sabbath is this persistent voice in your life saying, there is a creator. There is a Lord. And he is Lord over all things. He is Lord over heaven. He is Lord over earth. He is Lord over the sea. And you're not him. That title isn't on your business card. Control isn't on your list of competencies. That's what the Sabbath says to you. And that's hard to hear, but it is the voice of freedom. It is the voice of freedom because it frees us to exhale and let go and stop and rest. Can you receive that gift? Let me be clear. I believe that this commanded habit, the habit of a weekly day of rest, I believe this commanded habit is for us, is still for us. God hasn't taken this expectation away. I also believe that because the Lord of the Sabbath, when he was raised, that we as Christians, if at all possible, should take this day on Sunday. Now there are exceptions. 
There are life and job situations that are exceptions. There, God's mercy is wide, and it is generous. But still, I think the expectation of this pattern is still there for us. So I want to ask you, can you receive the gift? And if you can't, why not? Maybe it's not so much the debates about the interpretation of the fourth commandment. Maybe it's more first commandment issues. Maybe you can't obey the fourth commandment because of first commandment issues. As in success and reputation and money have begun to play the role of God in your life. Maybe that's why you can't receive this gift. Maybe maybe we struggle to receive this gift because we're living a lie. We're living under the illusion that we have control and power that belongs only to God. Maybe we struggle because we take ourselves far too seriously. What is the Sabbath? It is the gift of a good and wise rhythm. Let's receive it. But why? If that's what it is, why is it? Why is this a good thing? Apart from, hey, hey, taking rest is a good and healthy thing. We know that. But there are a number of other ways that we could get rest. Why the Sabbath? Why this way? Well, the fourth commandment, motivates Sabbath-keeping with God's example. It doesn't say, do this just because God said it. It says, do this because God did it. And now we're back in the creation story, right? God made the world in six days and then he rested. Why did God rest? Was he tired? No, God rested because he was satisfied. Because he was happy with what he had done. Because of the truth of what he had said throughout the creation, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. He was satisfied with his work. That's why God rested. And he sets apart this day as an invitation to us for us to join his satisfaction. For us to join his See, the ultimate purpose of the Sabbath isn't merely physical rest. The ultimate why of the Sabbath is connection. It is rest by way of relationship. I have a friend whose name is Sam. I don't know why this is, but anytime I hear Sam's voice or anytime that I'm around him, I relax. There's just something about our relationship. I don't feel the pressure to perform or to be something other than I am. I can just be and enjoy the relationship. You know people like that? Just their their presence is is comforting, is peaceful. The purpose of the Sabbath is a relationship with God like that, only better. The purpose of the Sabbath is to find our deepest possible rest in the presence 
of our Creator. Which is why Jesus, in these debates about Sabbath, you notice how he changes the topic? He switches the subject and he starts talking about the temple. What's the temple? It's the place of God's presence. Jesus is connecting Sabbath and temple. And he's saying temple is the why of the Sabbath. This whole practice that God has given to you to connect you to your creator, it's part of him bringing you back into his presence so that you can be restored, renewed, that you can be made whole. You can find the deepest possible rest. And then Jesus says about himself, one greater than the temple is here. Jesus is saying, I am the why of the Sabbath. I am the rest that the Sabbath only hints about. Jesus is not only the Lord of the Sabbath, He is the presence of the Sabbath. So that we find in Him the ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose of the command. That purpose of being in a relationship with God that brings rest, peace, renewal, wholeness. Jesus is that life-giving connection to our Creator. So, the habit of the Sabbath, apart from faith in Jesus, cannot accomplish the purpose of the Sabbath. But in Jesus, that habit, that discipline of rest, that rhythm, if we come to it trusting in Jesus, then it becomes an avenue to Him. It becomes a way of growth and knowledge and rest and trust and renewal in Him. I'm not going to give you specific do's and don'ts about the Sabbath. Because I think that endangers us of going back to that achievement mindset with this command. But I am going to give you one specific do. Because Jesus accomplishes the purpose of the Sabbath. That's why we as Christians gather for worship on the Sabbath. What we are doing right here is an expression of of our rest. Because what we do in worship is we turn our hearts and our lives to the voice of Jesus saying, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and find rest for your souls. Rhythm of Sabbath is a good thing but not apart from Jesus. And what's beautiful about that is then Jesus can take the gift of the Sabbath and He can begin to spread it throughout the rest of the week. We can begin to taste rest and peace even in the midst of our work. A rest that we know in part now, but we'll know in full in that eternal Sabbath that's promised to us in places like Hebrews chapters 3 and 4. Whenever I think about the fourth commandment, I always think about the movie Chariots of Fire. 
because part of that story revolves around a Sabbath controversy. Eric Little refuses to run on Sunday because he observes the Sabbath. And I'm not going to go to whether that was a right thing to do or not, whether he should have run or not. I'm going to go to the other main character in that movie, Harold Abrahams. Another world-class sprinter, uh, training and preparing for the Olympics. And he describes that race, that 100-meter race in the Olympics, he describes it as 10 lonely seconds to try and justify my whole existence. I wonder if some of us live that way. I wonder if some of us wake up in the morning and think another 12 or so lonely hours to try and justify my whole existence. The Sabbath says you don't have to live that way. Living like that is exhausting. No wonder we're exhausted and empty. Spinning our wheels trying to justify our whole existence, the Sabbath says, no, you don't have to live that way. Your existence is justified not by what you can achieve, but by the gifts that you receive from your Creator. So so trust in the One who is your justification. The one who has achieved all that you could need or want. Trust the Lord in the presence of the Sabbath. Trust Him and stop and rest. Let's pray.